Thank you, Missy. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And today we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 22. Now the last several weeks we have been looking at the different churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. The reason we're not looking at the church of Philadelphia today is we looked at that as the first church. That was the first church we looked at. So today we are looking at the church at Laodicea. And as we have looked at the different churches, there has been something that we can notice. Each church was doing something that we can see taking place in churches today. So the message that Christ was given to these churches in the book of Revelation can be directed at the churches today. 
And that is especially true with this last church, the church at Laodicea. Now, when we look at what Christ tells the church at Laodicea, church does not, or Christ does not commend this church in any way. What he ends up doing is condemning it for its actions. So much so that Jesus says that it's disgusting to him. He says it's like lukewarm water that you would put in your mouth. You just want to spit it out. And he just wants to spit this church out of his mouth. It was disgusting. But what makes this church so disgusting to him? First, this church would not stand for anything. As Missy Song said, you can't walk in the middle of the road. This church was trying to walk in the middle of the road. It didn't want to stand for anything. But then we also notice some other things that Jesus says about this church. He says that this church was blind. They were so blind they could not even see their own sin. How many churches in today's society are this way? Not taking a stand for anything? Just sort of staying in the middle, not wanting to offend, not wanting to call anything sin? How many churches in this country are blind to their own sin? You see, the church at Laodicea, if you want to really look at it in this way, the church at Laodicea is the church today. It's the church today in today's society. Look at Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. It's written, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith, Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creatures of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. Therefore, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, it will come to pass that I shall spew thee out of my mouth. For thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not how thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried by the fire, that thou mayest be made rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy filthy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye that thou mayest see." As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and amend. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and sit with my father in his throne. Let him that hath an ear hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, I just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word today. Oh Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship. Just illuminate your word for us, Lord, and help us just to take what we learn today and apply it into our daily walk. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today, that you would just let your spirit be manifest here today, Lord, that those that are here today would just have a blessing today. And Lord, I also just lift up those who could not make it, those that may be sick and shut in, those that have lost loved ones. We just lift each one up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon each one. And Lord, I just pray again that you would just be with us today as we worship. Just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service and just give me the words to say that it would just touch and edify those that are here. And Lord, I also just pray that if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that you would just speak to their hearts today. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, to give you a little background, the city of Laodicea was, well, it's in what is today Turkey. And it was an inland city. It wasn't near the coast. It was about 40 miles from the church at Ephesus. So if you were going to walk from Ephesus to Laodicea, it would take you about 13 hours. It was a day's, about a day's walk. But Laodicea, the city of Laodicea, had a problem. And the problem was, is they really could not get good water into the city. You had some springs that were around, but they weren't anywhere close to this city. So what the Romans did is they built a series of aqueducts that went into the city. And then they, and it's found in the ruins, they built these, you know, ingenious pumps to continue to pump the water into the city. But the problem was that as the water ran down the aqueducts from the springs that they came from, the water would get warm. And then it would get filled with silt. So by the time it got into the city, if you wanted to drink this water, you were drinking this sort of grainy, silty, warm water that you would just want to spit out of your mouth. And this is, the, this is pretty much why Christ is using this illustration. Because the Laodiceans would know what he was talking about. About how they were acting. But see, the, the thing about Laodicea is the city was also a very rich city. It was known for its industry. It was known for commerce. It was in a good location to be a trade hub for the Roman Empire. And it also had a lot of Greek culture in this city. But what, what we also see is, is because of the commerce and the industry in this city, the city was very wealthy. And as a result, the church at Laodicea was wealthy. So much so that by the time the city finally fell, into ruin, there were three churches located in the city. So it had churches. It was wealthy. And the people were wealthy because they had all this commerce and stuff going on in the city. But regardless of their wealth, regardless of their power, 
something is very wrong with the church in this city, so much so that Christ does not commend this church. Instead, he condemns the church. So what does he say to this church? First, look at what, how he addresses himself. He says, thus saith, amen. Then he says, the faithful and true witness and the beginning of the creation of God. So he calls himself amen. Amen is a Hebrew word. And it means pretty much certainty or so let it be, so shall it be. But then it also can mean truth. And the meaning of the word in Hebrew depends on how you use it in a sentence. So here, what Christ is saying, because he uses it as a descriptor for himself, he's basically saying, thus saith the truth. He is the truth. He's calling himself truth here. Thus saith amen, or thus saith these things saith amen, or these things saith the truth. So what we see and how he's describing himself is everything he's about to talk to or tell this church is truth. But then he also calls himself the faithful and true witness. Now what is he the faithful and true witness of? He's the faithful and true witness of the gospel. He's the faithful and true witness of God. Everything that we know about God, we learn from Jesus Christ. So he is the faithful and true witness of God. And then he says that he is the beginning of all creation. Or as the Geneva Bible says, the beginning of all creatures. He's the creator. That's what that means. He is the creator of all things. He's the beginning of creation because he made it. We see this in, in the book of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then John says what? All things were created by him. And then if you turn back to the book of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus is the beginning of creation. He's the creator. So if you look at how he is describing himself to this church, basically what he is saying is, these things saith the truth, the witness of God, and the creator of all things. He is pointing out his authority to them. He's pointing out his authority. He has the authority to condemn this church just as he has the authority to commend the churches that were doing the correct things. But what we also see, he is also telling them because he has all authority and he has all power, he can see what they're doing. 
He can see everything they're doing. As I've mentioned before, can we hide anything from God? No. God can see everything that we're doing. And here's the thing. He records everything that we do. And when we stand before God one day to be judged, because Christians are going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be judged for our works as a Christian, we're going to see everything that we've ever done, everything that we've ever said since we have been a Christian. Now why do I say since we've been a Christian? Because everything that happened before we became a Christian has been wiped clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. But those who are lost, everything that they have done their entire life will be reviewed for them when they stand before Christ at judgment. But Christians will be judged for their works as a Christian, how they live their life as a Christian. We can't hide anything from God. All will be reviewed and all will be laid bare one day. Or to put it a different way, you can hide stuff from your friends, you can hide stuff from your spouse, but you can't hide anything from God. And that's what he's telling this church. He's saying, I've seen everything you're doing. And what we find out is he does not approve of what this church is doing. He doesn't approve of it. Now why? Because what we're going to see is this church had kicked Jesus Christ out. They had kicked him out of the building. How do you kick Jesus Christ out of your church? It's actually quite simple. The first is you leave the gospel. The second is you cleave to false doctrine. And the third is you begin to doubt everything about Jesus Christ. And that is what we see in today's society. How many churches have kicked Jesus Christ out and instead of preaching the word of God, they have started to preach social justice nonsense? Think about it. If the Bible says homosexuality is a sin, homosexuality is a sin. If the Bible says thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not murder, abortion is murder. But churches today are cleaving to those types of teachings where they're saying these things are okay and not sinful. That's how you kick Jesus Christ out of a church. 
and Laodicea had kicked Jesus Christ out of their building. How do we know this? Because if you look at verse 20, he's saying, I'm standing at the door of your church knocking, trying to get back in. He was knocking on the door. And they wouldn't open it to him. This is why Christ is declaring his authority to this church. Because they had kicked him out. They had stopped following him. Now think about something. Ephesus was 40 miles away from this church. 40 miles. A day's walk. When Christ talks to the church at Ephesus, he says, I know your works and your labor. They had been laboring for him. They had been working for him. But then you have a church 40 miles away. 40 miles away. That had kicked him out. Think about that. One church was being zealous and then 40 miles away you had a church that had turned apostate. Both churches had been visited by Paul. Paul had taught in both churches. One cleaved to Paul's teachings, the other left Paul's teachings. But look at what Christ says. Because, or I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. You're not cold or hot, you're lukewarm. I would thou works cold or hot, therefore because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, it will come to pass that I shall spew thee out of my Mouth. What happens when a church becomes lukewarm? You know, Christ was saying, I would rather you be on fire for the gospel or not doing anything at all. What had happened to this church that made them lukewarm? They didn't want to offend anybody. They weren't going to leave the gospel outright, but they still didn't want to offend. So what would happen? They would teach just enough where the doctrine sounded good, but they weren't condemning anything. That's a lukewarm church. Or they would say something along this line. Well, I don't really know if that's a sin or not. That's a lukewarm church. If the Bible condemns it as a sin, it's a sin.
they become lukewarm. Not wanting to offend anyone. And as a result of trying to be tolerant of everything, they became intolerant of the gospel. You know, that's the problem with tolerance. If you're tolerant of one thing, you're intolerant of something else. That's the logic of tolerance. If you say, I'm going to tolerate this, then you're saying you're intolerant of what speaks against it. You can't be tolerant of anything. Because you're going to be intolerant of something else. There's no true tolerance in the world. Think about it. If you say, I'm going to tolerate this sin, then you're intolerant of the teachings of God that calls it a sin. Think about it. Can a, can a Christian be tolerant of sin? Yes. Christians can tolerate sin all the time. Christians can be tolerant of everything and anything. Now, should a Christian be tolerant of sin? No. No. Because if we are tolerant of sin, we go against the word of God. Because the word of God calls it a sin. And sin means that we are at enmity with God. We are in active rebellion against him. That's why Christians are not to tolerate sin. We can't. Because when we tolerate sin, we become rebellious against God. And that is the problem with the church in today's society. The church is becoming rebellious against God because it is tolerating things he calls an abomination and a sin against him. Christians are not to tolerate sin. Christ died on the cross for us to forgive us of our sins. And when we start tolerating sin, when we start not speaking out against sin, we're saying his death means nothing to us. Think about that. When a Christian falls into sin, when a Christian turns their back on Jesus Christ and his teachings, and falls into sin, succumbing to temptation, in a sense we are saying his death means nothing. Why do you think God says, you shall be holy for I the Lord your God am holy? Why do you think he told that to Israel? Because he pulled them out of Egypt. He created a nation for them and he wanted them to be holy because of what he had done. That's why Paul repeats it in the New Testament. Because Christ died on the cross for us. We're to be holy. We're not to take his death for granted. 
But what do we see in today's society? What do we see in today's church? We see churches and Christians all over the place taking his death for granted. We see churches and we see Christians all over the place saying that his word means nothing because they go against it actively. That is exactly what was going on at Laodicea. And what does Christ say? He says, you're disgusting. And because you're disgusting, because you're not standing for anything, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Think about that. Jesus Christ telling a church, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Because they were disgusting to him. You see, a lukewarm church is disgusting. A lukewarm church is disgusting. Plus, this lukewarm church, as many churches in today's society, they couldn't see the state they were in. Look at verse 17. The church was saying, I'm rich. Hey, we're in a wealthy city. We're a rich church. I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But you know that material possessions does not mean you have spiritual vitality? Just because you have material possessions does not mean you're vibrant in spirit. Think about it. Bill Gates, one of the most wealthiest men in the world, he's an atheist. This church was saying, we have need of nothing materially. They were saying we're rich. We're increased with goods. And Jesus Christ is telling them that you are so blind, you cannot even see the state that you're in. They were blind. And look at what he says. He says, you know not that you are wretched, you're miserable, you're blind, and you're naked. Four things. How were they wretched and miserable? One, they had kicked him out. They wasn't wealthy. They'd kicked him out. And then they were so blind they couldn't even see the state they were in. And because they had kicked him out, what happened to them? They had become poor. I want you to think about something. 
In the United States today, the United States has the most wealthiest churches in the world. Material wealth. The most wealthiest churches in the world. But material wealth does not make them rich. Because you can have a church that is struggling to pay their bills, but if the Holy Spirit is there and they're preaching the word of God, they're the most wealthy church around. And that's what Jesus tells the church at Laodicea. He says, you're poor and you don't even know you're poor and you're naked because they did not have him covering them. Look at what he says. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried by the fire that thou be made rich. That thou be made rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and thy filthy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with salve that thou mayest see. So the first thing he tells them to do because they had kicked him out And because they had kicked him out, they had become poor and wretched and naked. He says, get from him or buy from him gold tried in the fire. Now what is that gold tried in the fire? Basically what that means is it's it's eternal riches procured by the blood of Christ. He's saying, cover yourself with my blood. That's gold tried by fire, the fire of the cross. Cover yourself with my blood. Procure these riches that I purchase for you. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ covers all of our sins. Through the blood, they can then, what? Be clothed in white raiment. Which is what he says next. Be clothed in white raiment. Through the blood, they can be clothed in white raiment that will cover their nakedness. And then... He says, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Pretty much, wake up. Wake up. Open your eyes so you will see the condition that you are in as a church. Or in another way, he's saying, have spiritual illumination. Spiritual illumination. See, through the Holy Spirit, we can see our faults. Spiritual sight gives us keen insight. We see that all through the Bible. I mean, think about it. When Abraham was speaking to God, what did Abraham say? He says he's nothing but dust and ashes. 
in front of God. Job says that he's going to repent. When he was confronted by God and God was there in the whirlwind, Job says, I repent in dust and ashes. Peter says, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man when Jesus Christ stood before Peter. And Peter saw the power of God through that miracle. Spiritual sight gives us keen insight into how we truly are in front of God. And that's what he's telling this church at Laodicea to do. Have spiritual illumination. Anoint your eyes with eyesight. Depend on the Holy Spirit and you will see your sin. You will see what's going on. And that's what we all need to do. Especially today's church. I mean, the church had kicked Christ out and he's standing at the door knocking. And sadly, the church was so blind, they couldn't even see it. Again, is today any different? How many churches have kicked Jesus Christ out? And how many churches today are so blind that they can't even see that they've kicked him out? A church that stands for nothing is a church that is worldly. A church that doubts the word of God, a church that doubts Christ, a church that condones sin is a church that has kicked him out. But you want to know the saddest part about this? Look at his message to Laodicea again. And I want to see if you notice something. He's speaking to the church. But when you really look at it, He's speaking to the individuals in the church. Clothe yourself with white raiment, speaking to the individuals. Anoint your eyes with eyesaf, speaking to the individuals in the church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door or hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. He's speaking to the individuals. When a church kicks Christ out, it starts with the individuals because the individual Christians make up the church. And that's what we see with Laodicea. The message that Jesus Christ gives to this church is directed, yes, at the church, but it is pinpointed at the individuals in the church. Because it was the individuals that kicked him out first. Because they had closed their hearts to him. When a church kicks out Christ, it starts with the individual. Every church that has kicked out Christ in today's society 
It started with the individuals in those churches not standing for the word of God. And what happens? It starts with one individual, then it moves to another and another and another because false teachings and sin is like a virus. And then it affects everything that it touches. How many churches today have kicked out Christ? If you look at what they're saying and supporting, you know. Because it goes back to what Christ said, by their fruits you will know them. But what about the Christians? Because that's where it starts. It starts with the Christian backsliding. It starts in their hearts. So my question is, where is your heart today? Is Christ standing at the door knocking, wanting back in? Do you believe that you're like the Laodiceans and need nothing? Because we all need Christ in our hearts, in our homes, and in our church. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day that you've provided. I thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you've given us. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us. Let's go into this time of invitation. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.